It's a familiar passage uh, this time of the year. And uh, we're going to read that together here. Luke chapter 2. We will start in verse 1. It says, in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when uh, Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their herds their flocks by night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. What a wonderful story, an account, actually, we will say, of our Lord and Savior being born into this world. That is the story from which Christmas is a holiday set apart to celebrate and to remember. And I don't know about you, but uh, as I read this passage, it brought back many memories of when I was sitting with my family reading this story on Christmas Day as we waited to do our Christmas celebration and holidays uh, activities. Um, I don't know if that's a tradition for you, but for us, we just always read this passage. Now, of course, uh, my father read it from the King James Version, so that's why I was stumbling over some of these things because I kept having his voice in my head saying different words. They all, you know, but um, it's just a wonderful passage and it's a wonderful truth about this amazing story of how God came down to earth and 
came so that he could be our savior and save us from our eternal destiny of eternal peril and bring us so that we could follow after him and end up in a place of eternal joy. This is wonderful. This is magnificent. This is great. And so this is a story that is worth remembering, that is worth recounting every year as we celebrate the Lord's birth with a holiday called Christmas. Now, the title of my sermon is, Why Do We Celebrate Christmas the Way That We Do? What about this story brings to mind garland and poinsettias and lights and all of these things that are so strongly associated with Christmas in our culture? Well, I don't know if we'll know the answer to that by the time we're done here, but we're going to learn some cool things about why we celebrate Christmas the way that we do. And uh, in keeping with the Advent theme, this is supposed to be the week of peace, I hope that this creates some measure of peace between us as we all approach this holiday slightly differently, but in a way that uh, works for each one of us. Um, and I think this will be helpful too, because um, you know the way you celebrate holidays generally comes down to the way you were taught to celebrate it and then the way that you determined to celebrate it for yourself at a given time. And uh, traditions have a way of being good and sometimes unhelpful. Um, it depends. Um, I'll, I came across this one story where there was a lady who um, every year she would take a ham and she would cut off the ends of the ham at a certain distance. And then she would put that ham in her oven. And uh, one day one of her children asked her, why do we cut off the ends of the ham? I don't see any good reason for that. Can you please tell me why we do that? And the mother said, well, I don't know. My mother always did it. And after they traced it down, it, came, it actually came down to the fact that at one generation, their pan was only so big. <laughs> and so they started cutting off the ham to fit in the pan so it fit in the oven. Um, and for generation and generation, they've been doing that same thing even when they didn't need to. So sometimes it's good to ask, why do we do what we do? Because sometimes you find you're doing things that don't really make any sense. Uh, but traditions are also can be wonderful uh, when, you, when you have a tradition that's very meaningful and, uh, and, you're, and it, it recounts things that are important. Um, it, it can be very helpful re for retaining um, the memory and the experience of those valuable things. So um, we might have like a nativity scene at our home, which helps us remember the very thing that we are celebrating. That's a tradition. That's something that we do, that a lot of people do, and I think it's very helpful as it reminds us what the reason of the season is for. So as we think about why do we celebrate Christmas the way that we do, I thought it was super helpful uh, when I learned about the history of the celebration of Christmas. Uh, to me, this added a great measure of depth to the um, the joy of celebrating Christmas. And I confess, I came across this first when I was in my seminary history class, and I discovered some things that were very surprising to me about the history of celebrating Christmas, which some of which I will share with you today. Um, so one of the uh, first things that we learned about Christmas is that um, 
it is, well, I guess one of the most surprising things was that the early church didn't celebrate it. Uh, is that a surprise to anybody here? I know it was to me. What? For the first 250 years of the church, they didn't celebrate Christmas? Are you kidding me? That's like, you know, one of the two major holidays of Christianity, Christmas and Easter. You didn't celebrate one of them for the first 250 years of the faith. I, I couldn't believe it. But as I looked into it, um, they had their reasons for not celebrating Christmas for those years. Um, for them, they wanted to celebrate um, the spiritual new birth of people, like the resurrection of Jesus Christ and, and like that was connected with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So like they wouldn't celebrate anybody's birthdays. They wanted to celebrate their new birth because their normal birthday, the birthday we celebrate, that's the start of a human being's journey towards death that we experience because of our relationship to, to Adam, not Abraham, Adam. Um, but rather, when we're, when we're born again, when we have a new birth, that's the birth that they wanted to celebrate. And they would celebrate that new birth uh, of a believer because that's their beginning to, of a journey towards glory. And so from their perspective, let's not celebrate the, the birth of a human into this world. Let's celebrate uh, the eternal things. And so they would celebrate, you know, when people were born again, or they would celebrate Easter and those things. And they kind of didn't put a lot of stock or effort into celebrating people's physical births. Well, um, that lasted until about uh, 336 when a man named Ent Emperor Constantine entered the chat, and um, he made Christianity the religion of the Roman Empire at this time. And as such, the birth of Jesus Christ, the king of kings that they all served, was now something important and worthy of remembering and celebrating. So they, they actually celebrated the birth of Jesus Christ, as they called it. It wasn't called Christmas at that time. It was the birth of Jesus Christ. And so they celebrated that for many, many years. Um, and another thing I learned about Christmas is that the term Christmas didn't even exist until the 800s. In the late 800s, we have our first recording of a Christ Mass that a couple of Roman Catholic priests developed. And that is the first instance of Christmas with the words that we're used to hearing it by. And uh, that's what I learned from my history class. I was like, what? Christmas didn't exist until 1800 and something? What? Um, and they they got together, these two priests, and decided let's, let's take the birth of Jesus Christ and let's celebrate it here as a mass together. Let's make a special celebration for that. And so they created a special liturgy and they started the tradition that we know as Christ Mass that we now call Christmas, uh, going to church to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. And so that began that journey. And then Christmas is got some more interesting things in its history. Did you know it was outlawed in England in 1645? 1645, they outlawed Christmas in England. And they also outlawed it in Boston in 1659, all the way till 1681. 
And you know who's responsible for that? Yeah, you do, Thomas. Who? The yeah, the Puritans. <laughs> you know, they're not as holly and jolly as you'd like to think sometimes. We, we kind of look back at the Puritans and think about all the wonderful things we got from them, and sometimes we don't know that eh, they come with baggage too sometimes, you know. And now, now they had a reason for this, right? Their reason was, like a lot of, you know, well-known holidays, they get celebrated in various manners, and um, the birth of Jesus and Christmas wound up becoming a holiday where people would do all kinds of things that weren't approved by the Puritans. <laughs> uh, drunkenness and all kinds of other activities that they very much did not approve was the normal in those days. Uh, kind of like when we celebrate holidays, what do people do? Uh, they throw parties and do all kinds of things that are not exactly church approved. Um, so the Puritans, when they got into political power, did what they thought would be helpful to society, and they tried to limit people from sinning by legislating. No Christmas. I don't know what they did with the other holidays. I didn't look into that yet, but they got rid of Christmas for some reason. Uh, I think probably to preserve it uh, so that it wasn't misused uh, by people. But yeah, I couldn't believe it. Christmas was outlawed by Christians, no less. Very pious Christians. Uh, thankfully, that didn't last too long, and uh, Christmas came back on the scene as soon as that was possible. But it wasn't until the 1800s that we see Christmas starting to take on the flavor of the traditions that we're all familiar with, with things like the modern idea of Santa Claus and the emphasis on giving gifts for children and Christmas trees and Christmas cards and, and those kinds of things. And so I'm actually going to participate in the modern Christmas a little bit here with us. I got this just for today. This is perfect. So that's when you get Santa Claus, you get the Christmas lights, and the 1800s is Christmas has entered into the new era. And uh, let's see here. I think I got this. Yes. Are you paying attention? <laughs> Children, yes. Everyone's going to pay attention here. This is important. Okay, so in the latter years, the 1900s, that's when Christianity, or where Christmas really goes mainstream. That's when they start selling things like this to people. Um, you get advent calendars, poinsettias, Christmas lights, Christmas carols, and all of those things as people take on uh, celebrating Christmas as it has developed. And so thinking about Christmas and its development, it wasn't always the same. I mean, if you go back 300 years, Christmas would look very different than what it looks like for you. Is this distracting? <laughs> I'll turn it off for you. That was just for fun. But uh, yeah, it would look very different. Um, you go back 300 years before that, it'd look very different. Go back 300 years before that, it'd look even more different. Uh, why do we celebrate Christmas the way that we do? And you know, that question isn't easy to answer. We could look at all these various traditions and probably learn about the significance of them and why that we do. And I'm sure it would be enlightening and helpful. 
um, and make it more meaningful. We're not going to do that today. Uh, that, I'll leave that for you to do on your own time. But the way that we celebrate Christmas does have an impact on us, does it not? We do this for a reason. When we, when we make holidays, we make them to remember something that's important. In fact, the word holidays is a compound word. Holy days. Look it up in the dictionary. It's a, that's the first definition, a holy day. A day set apart for the remembrance of something important. And so for holidays, we generally set apart a day where we mandate everybody gets the day off if it's really important, like Christmas and a lot of the federal holidays. We make sure people have the time so that they can take the time to remember these things that are so important to us. And I think Christmas certainly qualifies as one of those days, don't you? Uh, and so it's important that we set time aside and, and then... It's also important that we add the element of teaching to our remembrance of holidays. Add the element of teaching. I'm not kidding when I say it was only two years ago that I learned the meaning of Memorial Day. Two years ago, I, I looked it up for the first time and learned the meaning of Memorial Day. I did not know what the significance of the holiday was. All I knew was we get the day off and it starts a whole new season of the year. And how did that happen? I mean, I was in the military and I did not know the meaning of Memorial Day. And you know why? It's because, well, either I wasn't paying attention, that's a real reality, or somebody didn't teach me. I, I think I'll take the blame on this one. I probably wasn't paying attention, but I also don't remember it coming up a lot. I don't remember anyone really teaching me year after year. I remember we would just say, oh, it's Memorial Day, and take their day off, maybe do our vacation stuff, and, and move on. But I don't remember the annual teaching of the meaning of it. And so I lost it. One generation, that's all it takes, and I lost the meaning of it. We still held some of the traditions, like I would go to some of the parades, and we would do some of the traditions of the holiday, but I didn't really know what it was about. I didn't really have that significance in my heart and my mind as I was celebrating this holiday. And I think that's a real shame, because if you lose the significance of the holiday, you, you've lost one of the main points of taking the holiday and remembering the significance of it. And so it's super important that as we celebrate holidays that we remember to add that element of teaching. We, it's cool and fun to take the time off. It's great that we have these traditions that we do, but we gotta remember not to forget that each generation needs to be taught why these things are important. And so we gotta remember that to add teaching to our Christmas celebration. Um, last night, my wife's family and, and our family celebrated Christmas, and and we did some of that. They talked about the reason for the season. They talked about uh, some of the things that are important to us as Christians. And then, as I said, when, when my family, uh, when I get together with my dad and our family, we do, um, we read the Christmas story every single time. That's part of our tradition. So that we cannot forget the significance of the importance of Christmas. And so we have this element of 
taking time off. We have this element of teaching and we have the element of traditions. What do we do to celebrate the holiday? We're here. I see you do poinsettias here and garland and um, wreaths and things like that. These are, these are traditions. I, I think maybe we do them because they connect us with the holiday. These are things that we just uh, think of them as part of the holiday. Or maybe, maybe someone here actually has a reason that's a very deep, meaningful, heartfelt reason as to why we use poinsettias. Wouldn't that be nice if that got shared with everybody? Like, I wish I knew. I don't know right now why we use poinsettias. If you know, see me afterwards. I'd like to know. I'll, I'd like to learn that. And I think that's really important. As we, as we make use of tradition to help us experience the holiday, it's also important to keep that teaching element connected to it so that we get the significance of it too. So as we're celebrating Christmas, we need to think about those things, taking the time to memorialize and remember the significant thing, teaching about it, and putting in place traditions that help us experience it. Those are all elements that make for a very useful and good holiday. And so as we think about celebrating Christmas, how do you celebrate Christmas? How do I celebrate Christmas? Uh, growing up, I just followed the tradition of my parents and my grandparents. And, and then there came this point where Mandy and I were married, and we would just always go to their Christmas celebrations. By the time you do two Christmas celebrations, you done celebrated Christmas for that year. You know? But then I remember there came a time where we had children, and we decided it's time for us to start our own Christmas tradition, and we had to start from scratch. Not completely from scratch, because we you know, could make use of what we had learned, but we had to decide for ourselves, what is so important about this holiday, and what do we want to pass on to our children? What do we want to remain in the forefront of our mind as we take time to remember these important things? And what traditions do we want to incorporate? What are their significance, and how do they add to that? Um, and then we have to teach it. We, we had to remember to always connect those things with active teaching so that the meaning isn't lost and we just have empty traditions. These were all things that we had to go through and grow through with our family, and it's something that I'm sure all of you can identify with because whether uh, you've gone through those stages or whether you're going to go through those stages, um, we all have to come to a time where we ask ourselves, why do I celebrate Christmas the way that I do? And how am I going to celebrate Christmas? Again, we pointed out, I believe this is a holiday that is worth celebrating. I believe it is an event that is worth remembering and remembering well. And it's full of so many good things. But we also have to guard against it becoming corrupted and forgetting the reason for the season. Um, there's, uh, I remember when I was um, in my teens and 20s, it was really popular for people to invoke the reason for the season because people were losing it. Um, we were losing that fact that Jesus, the birth of Jesus is the point of Christmas. And 
And I think it was because of stuff like this, distracting people from what was most important. People kept their traditions and they left off the reason for the season. Um, and, and I think this contrast is no more clear than in the two main people that we think about when we think about Christmas, and that is Jesus and Santa Claus. Jesus and Santa Claus are two main characters, main people of Christmas that comes up a lot. And in the Christian holiday of Christmas, obviously Jesus is the king. He's the one we're celebrating the birth of. He's the one that we are remembering. But then the world likes to forget that. They like to put that out of their mind. They like to have the benefits of a holiday without really invoking the reason for the holiday. And so they have a saint, at least, <laughs> as their mascot for the holiday named Santa Claus. And when you compare the two, you find there's a lot in common between them, but there's some very, very dramatic differences between them. And it's super important to recognize these things. And so I'm going to compare Santa with Jesus. Um, Santa is one who gives people gifts for Christmas. That's what he's known for, right? That's one of his main functions of Christmas. He's the gift giver. And so Santa, he will give you a gift on certain conditions. These conditions are that you let him know what your heart wants most, and then, um, and then you let him know that, and then you believe in him. And then he is... Oh, they, oh, yeah, one more thing. You have to be good, whatever that means. I don't know what that means, because uh, what does it mean to be nice? What does it mean to be good? It's kind of vague. And so you have kind of this idea that um, if you measure up, if you make a certain standard, which is not exactly laid out for anybody, you might make it if you just try hard, and, and then you can get your presence. So that's what Santa's offering people. Uh, you, you, you have to believe in him, you have to be good, and you have to let him know what your heart wants most. And of course, it's going to be something tangible, right? It's going to be uh, something that you can have and hold and stuff like that. So Santa offers you those things. Well, what does Jesus offer you? And how do you receive his gift? He's offering you a gift this season as well. He offers you the gift of eternal life. He offers you redemption from your way going to eternal peril to give you a gift of eternal life with eternal joy and happiness with him forever. That's awesome. That's like the best gift ever, don't you think? That kind of like outshines anything this world has to offer. Uh, how do you receive that? Well, I'll tell you what. It's not because you were good. Is it? Because God makes his standard really clear. None of you are nice. None of you are good. None of you would be on his good list. None of us. Any sin 
in our life, anything that falls short of being what God has called us to be, one sin creates us being separated from God for eternity. The Bible talks about this in the book of Romans, says the wages or what you earn from sin, singular, is death. Death not in the sense of non-existence, death in the sense of separation. Death is in, you're no longer my child. Death. Our relationship is dead. That's what you earn. That's God's standard. And so how can God give us this gift of eternal life? He gave it to us by him being good. Him being good for us. And him crediting us his righteousness, his goodness on our account and taking our sin and putting it on his account and then he died on the cross canceling our debt that's how jesus did it that's what jesus offers us and how do you receive that you simply believe him that what he said is so you believe that he literally that he did take our sin he did cancel it for us he did give us his righteousness and he will take us to heaven with him in the end. He will rise us up if we die. You believe by faith in his merit. That's a bit different than what Santa's offering, isn't it? Santa's like, hey, if you're good enough, whatever that means, <laughs> I'll give you a present. That's very, very different. And so we see in, in these two people actually two different forms of salvation, the works works form of salvation you do your best and hope it's good enough and we see salvation by faith alone done by christ and so here even in the way that we celebrate christmas we're teaching the way of salvation very differently um, i know a youth pastor he uh he didn't like teaching anyone about santa claus because of how very close santa represents a false messiah he knows everything. He sees everything. He's, he's very Christ-like when you start going down his attributes, and yet he requires you to earn your salvation. That's not the kind of message of salvation he wanted to teach his kids. But in the, in the fairness of peace, I know another pastor. He's like, hey, it's good fun. Why not have a little bit of fun? We're not teaching. As long as we teach our kids the truth, about salvation and don't let these things mix, all will be well. Well, that's between you and God on how you raise your children. How are you going to celebrate Christmas? That's a question you have to answer. I'm not going to say Santa's the devil, but he certainly can be used that way. So as we think about these things, how do we celebrate Christmas? I think it's an important thing. I think it's important as we think about the history and what it represents of retaining the memory of this important time, this important moment in time. I think it's important that we share that with those around us through remembering a time set aside for this and teaching it, not just, not just doing the traditions, but teaching it and then choosing deliberate traditions that help reinforce and help us experience this truth together and i believe through that that is a way that god has ordained to help us 
grow and remain faithful ourselves and to help the next generation know the truth as well. You'll recall that holidays is not something that man has made up on his own. It is something that it goes all the way back to the creation week with the Sabbath day being a day that is holy, set apart for a purpose. And what did God do on that day? He ceased his work so they could focus on remembering the goodness that had been done in that creation week and, and enjoying the works of his hands. And so holidays, they're important for us too. It's in the creation week. It's in the Ten Commandments. It's in all of our society's lives that we take holidays, holy days, and use them well, use them effectively for a good purpose. There was no Christmas 1,500 years ago. And for most of human history, there was no Christmas, but there is now, isn't there? That We have made it so. Let us use it well. Let us use it with good, um, solid teaching and intent infused into it so that it is beneficial and good for us and for our children. And so this Christmas, it might be worth taking the time to take stock of how do you celebrate Christmas? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I give thanks to you again for being our Lord and Savior who came to this world and was born so that we could be saved. And we give thanks for you. We're, we're so grateful for, for this event that we celebrate at the Christmas season. And there's so much here that we can learn from you. And, but today, Lord, we're focusing on the fact of how we remember you and how we celebrate this wonderful event. Lord, I pray that you'll work in our hearts so that we can uh, make this holiday so meaningful and so helpful for us and for our children. Lord, may this be a blessing to us and for all those around who might see and, and hear from us as well. Lord, I pray that you'll give us all grace with one another during this holiday season as sometimes it is stressful. Sometimes it's busy. Lord, give us safety as many of us travel and go to far places to be with friends and family. And Lord, may it be a blessing to us as you intended it to be, as we celebrate your birth together with other people that we know and love. And Lord, may this be one of the best Christmases we've ever had. We ask this in, according to your revealed will. In Jesus' name, amen.